0: listening to the sandoval bench podcast i'm your host daniel sandoval uh so i wanted to find a way to talk about this kobe bryant situation you know a couple weeks it's been a couple weeks now since the accident um you know where he and uh, his daughter gianna and you know some parents that were that kids on on gianna's basketball team you know they and the pilot uh they all died in a a helicopter crash and it's it's taken me a, a long time to try to digest what happened and really understand because when I first heard and saw the news it it didn't seem like it was real you know Kobe Bryant was an athlete that just seemed like he was unstoppable you know he had just retired he's been retired for about four years now and it seemed like nothing could stop him you know he had that mama mentality thing and you know anything he was he was gonna set out to do he was gonna do it you know whether or not uh, you believed it that he was gonna do it or not you know he just had that drive he had that self motivation and even you know post playing career when in his retirement he was you know he was coaching his daughter's games he was doing all kinds of things he won an Oscar uh, for his his short uh, Deer Basketball you know he had this media company they had built he was making you know kids Kids' shows and, and writing books and stuff. So he was doing a lot of different things that he wanted to do outside of basketball, you know, while still kind of being involved in basketball because his daughter Gianna had an interest in it. So he was coaching his team, her team. And then, you know, he was uh, training some players in the off season, you know, different summers and stuff. And he was doing detail with ESPN. So he was still part of the game and he was kind of becoming an ambassador uh, for the game as far as, you know, mentoring younger players, and he really became a huge ambassador for uh, women's basketball, you know, he he built a relationship with uh, Oregon's Sabrina Unescu, you know, he mentored her, and then they trained together and stuff, so, you know, he kind of just became this, this person that people would look to for advice, and even, like, Giannis was like, hey, Kobe, I want a challenge, too, and then Kobe gave him the challenge to win the MVP and Giannis went out and did it, you know? So he was just kind of that, that figure for everybody to, you know, look to or to, um, to talk to about, you know, building that, building that mental toughness and, and what to do and how to, how to train to get to that next step. My favorite thing about Kobe though, was his relentless work ethic and, you know, the, you always heard those crazy stories like he's like um, where he, he had to show up earlier than other people to show like, hey, you you feel like you're going to be your best and you're, you're doing extra work. But just know that I'm going to be out working you every every time, you know, just always, always just remember that he always had to show people that. And one of my all time favorite Kobe moments is uh, when <laughs> this was after Dwight Howard was with the, the Lakers and he ended up with the Rockets. That next year, Rockets and Lakers are playing each other. Dwight Howard gets a rebound. Kobe's like trying to fight for the rebound, and Dwight Howard elbowed him twice in the face. And they kind of they kind of argued, came you know came face face a little bit, and then the refs was breaking him up. And then Kobe's just looking at at Dwight Howard. He's shaking his head, and he called him soft. And this <laughs> this whole time, Dwight Howard didn't understand what Kobe Bryant meant by calling him soft. He was like, "How, you know, I'm not soft. Like look at me. I'm 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 a big guy. I'm I'm not physically soft." But Kobe was talking about his mentality. He was mentally weak and he was soft. And that's why he didn't last in LA cuz he couldn't have someone like Kobe on him. He didn't have the work ethic that Kobe had. And Dwight Howard did not understand this the entire time until recently where he's like, "Wow, I finally understand why Kobe called me soft because I was soft. Mentally I was soft. Mentally I was weak. I wasn't I wasn't ready to prepare." like he was I wasn't ready to work harder like he was I was just wasn't on that level and that's why that relationship kind of soured and also he was injured and they didn't win uh you know it was like different when he was with Shaq because Shaq even though he was like playing into shape and stuff like that and kind of goofing around they still won they still won championships and you know I know you know they had problems because Kobe wanted Shaq to come into the season and shape and work out during the summer. And Shaq just was like, hey, man, like, this is successful the way I'm doing it. And, you know, we're winning this way. But they never won with Dwight Howard. So it was different. And I think – and and Kobe and Shaq, they were just – you know, they go way back. And, you know, their relationship definitely grew, you know, as years went on. But, you know, the saddest part of this whole thing – or, like, one of the saddest parts, I guess, is, you know, TNT had that, had that kind of tribute – they had Reggie Miller there and, and Kenny and Shaq and um, and and Charles Barkley and Ernie. and then but when Shaq was talking about it, he said the last time that he talked to Kobe was uh, Kobe's last game against Utah when he dropped 60. And I was just like, man, that that just seems crazy that it's been that long since they've spoken to each other. And those was early TMZ reports that it was it, he and his entire family were on the helicopter. And that just kind of threw everyone in a frenzy. And then that Rick Fox was there, too. So, like, a lot of these early reports were just were, were coming out and people were sharing them on Twitter and stuff. And so we weren't really sure what to believe. I was just like, man, I hope it's not his entire family. That would be extremely devastating. Um, but I guess they had a rule that uh, both of them wouldn't be on the helicopter together ever. Um, so And they were actually going to Gianna's basketball game where he was going to coach, you know, he started that Mamba, uh, the Mamba Academy and, and, you know, so yeah, it was just a a devastating thing. And, you know, it's, I just can't imagine like when they're, they're going down and stuff and he's, and he's knowing that he can't, he, he can't protect his daughter you know, or save her or anything like that. This is it. You know, these last moments here, I, I mean, I can't do anything else here. You know, this is out of my hands. Like we're going down. Like we're, this is probably like our last moment. That just like that little like few minutes or whatever it was. Like that part would just kills me. Just knowing that he can't do anything to save her, and it's just like you know, this was I, you know, I, me and your mom we just we created you and we're raising you and stuff, and now we're at this point where I I can't do anything um, to keep you safe here. And that just, that just kills me. Uh, there's been, a, a obviously, an outpouring of love. You know, I saw Ice Cube, you know, him and Kobe were close. I saw him on the jump, and he couldn't believe it, so he texted uh, Kobe saying, hey, you know, whatever, like, I've seen these reports and didn't get a response back just because he didn't believe it. So it was just heartbreaking to hear these little stories like that. And Shaq's son, Sh- uh, Sharif O'Neal, he he was talking to Kobe that day, like Kobe had messaged him earlier that morning, you know asking if he was good because uh, Sharif was transferring from UCLA and doesn't know what his next next steps are uh but you know the fact that I mean him and Shaq weren't hadn't spoken since 2015, but you know he's still reaching out to Sharif and asking if he's okay, you know doing even even how busy he is, he's still asking to see if you know everything's okay with him and that just kind of showed. How he evolved as a person, you know, when he was younger, he was just kind of trying to kill everybody, you know, he was just out for everybody, he, he was just gonna find whatever way to do that, and he kind of seemed, you know, there's a lot of players who nowadays have that Kobe in them, you know, there's like Russell Westbrook, and, you know, guys like that, where they're just like 100% all the way, and they're just gonna do whatever it takes, but then, you know, later in his career, Kobe kind of became that mentor as I as I spoke about earlier and you know he's just like a, he was trying to those young laker teams he had to coach them up and really be that guy for them and that you know veteran leader and and teach them how to be professionals and better players and and I mean, remember he he dragged one of those teams to the to the 8th seed in the playoffs and then he got injured uh, so then they got swept you know, there's other good moments, though. Uh, you know, when he, he tears his Achilles against the Warriors. And, you know, you could tell he knows, like, hey, this is, you know, this is probably my Achilles. Like, this is a major injury here. And then he's still just dragging himself to the free throw line, hits both of the free throws, and then they pull him out of the game. That was a good Kobe moment. And then the finals, 2009 against uh, the Magic. And then when Matt Barnes inbounding the ball, and he's like, like pretending to to hit Kobe in the face, and Kobe's not flinching. Uh, but there's other camera angles where it says he wasn't directly in his face. But I don't know. I want to believe that he was directly in his face. Uh, there's a time when he he hit that shot. I think it was against the Suns, and he hit the he did the big balls dance. There's a game against Raptors when he hits 81 points, the buzzer beater in the playoffs against the Suns. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of great moments, and even like literally the day before, uh, LeBron had passed Kobe Bryant. On the all-time scoring list, he did it in Philadelphia, where Brian, uh Kobe went to high school. And I mean, Kobe's actually his last tweet was was to LeBron James about passing him and stuff, and and you know, congratulating him on the achievement. So that was, and this was just like this was just kind of sad to think about too. Was that that night, uh, Kobe or not Kobe? Uh, LeBron wrote Mamba forever her mama for life on his shoes, his dedication to Kobe, you know, not knowing that next day what would happen, you know, so it was like, people were, people were kind of talking about Kobe's career again, he was kind of being brought up again, because LeBron had just passed him, so, you know, we were seeing clips and stuff of his 81 points, and different Kobe highlights, and interviews, and stuff, and then this happened, so then it was just like, wow, and, uh, yeah it was just devastating and you know Carmelo Anthony he he had apparently he had just spoken to Carmelo Anthony cuz they were, the Blazers were going to play in in LA on Friday on that Friday and uh, they were going to go to dinner the night before and stuff and you know uh, Melo ended up sitting out that game get, against LA and you no know, they had a big tribute for Kobe LeBron gave a speech and stuff and um, there's been there's like a whole memorial outside of Staples and players have been changing their their jersey number if they're if they wear number eight or number twenty four. They've been changing it to something else, just, you know, kinda of retiring it but not fully retiring it. There's also a petition to change the logo to Kobe Bryant. You know, so there's a lot of a lot of stuff. But, you know, it's it's like these these major deaths like this that put everything into perspective for people like, Hey, you know, I got you know, if you haven't spoken to someone or, you know, or you're mad at somebody, or whatever, and you know this always makes you think like, oh, you know, life's pretty short. I should go talk to this person. I should, you know, repair this relationship. I'm not one to judge. I'm not going to tell you to do that because I haven't done that myself. So who I would be a hypocrite to say that you should do that. But if you feel impelled, compelled to, or you feel like you should do something, um, then go ahead and do it. You know, um, but you know, it, I know it's it's always a shame that these these kind of deaths have to happen to, to for some people to realize, you know, how fragile everything is and you know, everything could be just gone in in a second, you know. Um so hard to have like a, a a a normal natural segue from that, but you know, that week there was all there was a Super Bowl that that had to be played. Um you know, and th- for that week I wasn't really wanting to talk or do anything about the Super Bowl until like the day of, I guess, but you know, just cause this, just cause how big of this, this was, you know, this was like, this was for like my generation. The, the, he was our Jordan. Cause you know, we saw, I saw Jordan when he was like at the tail end of his career with the wizards. And, you know, he was already, that was in 2003 when he came back out of retirement. And, um, you know, it wasn't the same, but I remember watching those games and, um, it was always like, yeah, you know, Jordan's the best and stuff, but I never saw his whole career. But Kobe, I saw like the majority of his career, you know, his twenty-year career that he had there in LA. So he was like, he was played the same position as Jordan, and you know, had almost all the, the same moves and skills and everything, you know. And he had five championships, so he was, he's my generation's Kobe. So this, this was that. This is a, a huge, a huge death you know, for, for people my age and I, you know, for all people, people of basketball and, uh, cause he was a global icon, you know, there's people in the, all other, other countries and stuff were paying tribute cause he had a, he had a global impact, you know, everyone knew who Kobe was. Um, so it's, uh, definitely sad and, you know, it'd be hard to recover from that. You know, he was only 41. Um, so, you know, it's just heartbreaking. So we had the Super Bowl uh, the Chiefs ended up winning four9ers lost uh, they had a 10point lead in the le- towards the end of the fourth quarter I think it was like six minutes left uh, but they they couldn't they couldn't keep that lead and you know Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes you know they were able to kind of not shut him down but you know they were able to control what was going on there for a bit. You know they they looked really good. They looked like they were gonna win. You know, but then Patrick Mahomes did just amazing things, and um, so then they ended up scoring. And uh, then there was like a last second, last second touchdown uh, in their last possession. So they ended up winning by eleven points. Um, You know, this was it was hard to watch because I knew, I knew something was gonna happen when they the Forty Nineers were midfield and. You know, they didn't convert, and they were giving the ba- the ball back to Kansas City. Just thinking, like, man, they you can't give the, the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. And and so they ended up regretting it because they, they scored right away. But uh, I think that that play before halftime, you know, the clock management right there was bad. Uh, uh, you know, they, they had a minute and 30, I believe, and they didn't call a timeout. So it kind of looked like they were going to run the clock out. Uh, and then, you know, they got a big play, and they're like, oh, maybe, maybe we can make something happen. And then they called another timeout. So that was kind of, I don't know, I, I didn't like how they, they managed that clock. Uh, but then there was a big pass to George Kittle that got called back because it was a push-off apparently, so they called the offensive pass interference. But, you know, that would have given them a field goal or a touchdown at least. And if they had some kind of points right there, they would have had a, a three-point or seven-point lead right there. So then they would have had a bigger lead at the end of the game. They would have either been 10 or 17 Point lead or no, uh, 13 or 17 point lead and you know that would have changed the game you know completely and they might they might have won that game if they were able to convert there so I did not like the clock management there there was some questionable calls but I don't want to blame the refs um you know Jimmy Garoppolo got he got hit helmet to helmet in, in bounds and then he called and you know this stuff like that but you know other than that I thought it was a, it was a well-reffed game and uh, I think the 49ers just lost it. You know, it was like their play calling towards the end. Uh, you know, you could tell there's not a lot of trust in Jimmy Garoppolo completely. Um, you know, they they were running really well, and then they just kind of stopped running it. Their play their play calls were just questionable. And then Jimmy Garoppolo missed that missed that throw to Emmanuel Sanders. That you know he overthrew him. That would have been a touchdown. That would have been the game right there too. Um, so they you know they had opportunities and they just missed it. Um, and then Sherman got got beat badly by uh, uh, by Sammy Watkins it was like for like a 45 yard reception and that ended up setting up a score for them and um, then the the 49ers got called for a penalty and then the the Chiefs are on the goal line and you know they scored obviously so uh, I think the 49ers beat themselves you know they're the ones who lost it. Um, they they made some mistakes but you know good for Andy Reid. Definitely happy for him. Happy he got that ring because, you know, he was a great coach and he should be considered one of the best. But, you know, you need that championship to kind of validate you further. And uh, he finally got it. And, you know, he might get a couple more. You know, he has Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is, what, is he 24 right now? You know, won an MVP, won a Super Bowl MVP. And it's like his like third full year of starting. Uh, so, yeah, good for them. Good for Kansas City. They haven't, you know, last time they, they won was 50 years ago. Um, so happy for them to do that. You know, I'm glad it wasn't the Patriots. I'd rather have it loose the Chiefs. Um, but they better get Alex Smith a championship ring. I don't care if he he doesn't want to take it forever because he's so classy, but he should get one too because you know he was part of that. Um, you know, he had them going to the playoffs all the time. And then you know they, they switched him out just like the 49ers did. and then now he's injured. but anyway, I, I can I can get into that a little bit more, but you know I, I'll just leave it at that. They should give him a, they should give him a ring. Um, so yeah, that was the Super Bowl. Um, there was some good commercials though. I thought uh, that the commercial with uh, John Krasinski and uh, Chris Evans and Rachel Dratch. That one was really good. Uh, I thought that was funny. And then the one with Jason Momoa where he's like, he's like walking in. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm finally home. I get to relax and stuff. And he's like taking off his muscles like they're fake, and he's like this gross like, skinny looking guy. Uh, that was pretty good too. Um, so yeah, those was some some good commercials. Good. Great, great halftime show. Uh, you had Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, and Jennifer Lopez singing uh, Jenny from the Block. That shit still slaps. And then Shakira, nothing but bangers there. The hipstone line, all that good stuff. And yeah, that was uh, that was very iconic. You know, um, They were the first Hispanic women to, to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show, so that was great to see. And then Damien Lovato did the anthem, so it was great. They were definitely representing. Um, so it was, yeah, one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. So um, it was very good. And it was a, it was an exciting game, too. It was a good game. It was a little boring the first half, but then it picked up. So, you know, I think ratings were a little down, though, um, actually. But um, it was everything was great overall, I thought. The only thing that would have made it better is if the 49ers won, obviously. So uh, so now we'll fully transition to, to focusing on basketball now. Um, I guess there's some baseball news too. You know, Mookie Betts got traded to the Dodgers, and uh, you know, the Red Sox were just kind of obsessed with being under under the, the luxury tax, so they, they traded him. But it's being held up right now. It might not go through. Uh, they they have some medicals back from uh, whoever the Dodgers are sending, and the Red Sox don't like it apparently. So there's a holdup right now on that trade. Uh, but I think it'll it I think it'll get done. They'll try to figure something out. But now I think they're trying to get more out of out of the Dodgers than before because of you know the backlash that they got for trading Mookie Betts. So because I mean if you, the Dodgers if they do get Mookie Betts, you know I think it's going to go through. But man, that t- they need to win a World Series now. First you had the cheating scandal with the Astros and and the Dodgers. And the Red Sox, I mean, yeah, and so the Dodgers weren't, didn't get those, but you know they were in the World Series, and uh, so they have to win with this roster. If they don't, then they're just they're like full on chokers. And if they don't win with that roster, um, and then there was some trades in the NBA. Uh, you had Andrew Wiggins got traded to the Warriors for D'Angelo Russell, and I, I mean, it was a. It wasn't a great signing, sign and trade for the Warriors when they got D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I, that was like the best player that they could get for, uh, for KD. And I, I, I don't, th- and they didn't want to leave with nothing. Leave that situation with nothing. Um, so they got D'Angelo Russell. But you know, as far as fitting, it was gonna be Steph Curry, and Clay, and and D'Angelo Russell, and then Draymond. You're gonna have like three guards, and two of them aren't good on defenses. kind of, it's kind of weird. Uh, but, you know. The Timberwolves have been tied to D'Angelo Russell for a while because, you know, they're kind of outspoken of having D'Angelo Russell and then Carl Anthony Towns playing together. You know, they have a relationship. And um, so there was there's always rumors about them going there. And then anyway, they trade him for Andrew Wiggins. I, I'm not – Andrew Wiggins just seems like, – he doesn't like playing defense. He's just – I mean, he does score, but he's – not efficient and he's just kind of seems like he has a bad attitude like he doesn't he just seems like he plays because he's in the NBA like he doesn't really care you know that's the vibe I, I get from him he just I don't know he's kind of soft too it seems like I don't know but we'll see if it works um I definitely have some questions but you know it, it, Steve Kerr said the other day he's like you know we don't need Wiggins to be a superstar that's what the Timberwolves needed him to be we just need him to fit a role on our team because, you know, they already have Steph, Clay, and Draymond, so they don't need Andrew Wiggins to be that guy. But, you know, if he was that guy, I mean, he's only, what, 23, 24 right now, so he's still young, and then as as those other guys age a little bit more, then maybe, you know, in time, they can pass the torch to Wiggins, and then, you know, they can develop some other young guys, and then, you know, continue that success, but, you know, they got a lot of work to do. I I fully expect Draymond to, uh, to get in his ass a little bit, and, you know make him play defense and just get in his head and just completely tear him down and then build him back up and make him a different person so Andre Godala finally got traded from Memphis there was a little back and forth with John Morant and uh, Dylan Brooks wanting him to get traded because like oh hey we we want people who want to be here if he doesn't want to be here if he doesn't believe in us us against the world all that crap uh so they, they were like hey man yeah just trade him and and he threatened to sit out the rest of the year I mean he hasn't even played all year they're going to sit out the rest of the year if they didn't trade him to his desired team. The Miami Heat finally got him. Uh, and then the Heat also got, uh, who else did they get? They traded uh, Justice Winslow to Memphis, Dion Waiters to Memphis. So they got rid of them. Uh, but they got back Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder. And man, I love Jay Crowder. And then you have Andre Iguodala on that team already. Then Jimmy Butler. The Watch out for the Heat in the East, man. They're going to be able to lock people up. Giannis better be ready to try to score on, on Jake Crowder and and then Iggy coming out for the help. And then you got Jimmy. So they're going to be really good defensively. They're just going to lock people up. Um, so I'm excited for that, that Heat team. They've been surprising some people. They're having a really good year this year. Uh, Houston traded Clint Capella to Atlanta. And, you know, they, they didn't sign – they didn't sign any centers, so now they don't have any centers. That PJ Tucker the other night uh, playing center and trying to guard Anthony Davis It was like, "Wow, the Lakers going to blow out the Rockets." The Rockets ended up winning, and they didn't have a center. And they're not—I don't think they plan on signing a center. That team is really interesting. That you know they have James Harden; he's leading the league in thirty-five points. And I was looking up the stats the other day. I was like, "Well, you know what? How's Russell Westbrook fitting in?" And and he's like, he's leading, he's like tenth in the league in scoring at like twenty-six points a game. So. It's just they're they, – I don't think they're going to go far, but they that team just always fascinates me, like the way they play and, and the scoring and stuff. You know They can just blow you out any night, but they could also have terrible games because they take terrible shots. So it's just like it's really hit and miss with them. But we'll see how that ends up turning out. Um, I like to trade for Atlanta, though. Um, you, can have, you have a good pick-and-roll partner for, uh, for Trey Young and Clint Capella. And then Marcus Morris, he got traded to the Clippers, which I like. I always like the Morris twins, like how they play. Uh, they can play inside and out, and you know they're tough on defense. Um, so that, I, that that could be a good move. They also got Isaiah Thomas, but they plan on cutting him. War uh, in smaller news, I guess Warriors traded uh, Glenn Robinson III and Alec Burks to the Sixers. The Sixers are just frustrating. They've lost four in a row. They just don't. I don't know. They just seem like they're not. They're kind of laid back, ha- hanging out, and you know they're just they're playing a little soft. I thought the addition of Horford would really help them uh, mentally, because that's where they need help, um, especially Embiid and and Simmons. Like they're just, I don't know. They gotta they gotta do something with those two. I think they need to trade Ben Simmons. I think I think I'd rather have uh, Embiid. I think he's the better player. Simmons still can't really shoot. Um, and, and Embiid can shoot. He can. He can post. He can play defense. He can do everything. He's just like him and Giannis should be a little more on the same level than they are. But Giannis, he just wants it more, right? He has he has that work ethic. He just works out a lot better. He diets right, and he just does everything right. And and you know, I feel like Embiid, he needs to get he needs to bulk up a little better, but a little bit bit more. He seems like he's just got a little bit too much weight on him. You know. So he's always kind of injured, and something's always going on with him. He, he's been having, you know, hit, hit and miss games lately. Uh, but, yeah, because I think I had I had the Sixers in the finals playing the Clippers, and I had the Clippers winning. Uh, but, you know, right now it looks like Milwaukee's going to go to the finals instead of the Sixers. Uh, but even the Heat, you know, they might do something. Uh, uh, the Pistons, they traded Andre Drummond to the Cavs. I don't really know why the Cavaliers want Andre Drummond. Uh, they have thirteen wins. I think probably just to have some trade assets. You know, they they probably want to end up trading Kevin Love and Drummond and maybe Tristan package them together or something. Um, so yeah, they don't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. They have they have bad contracts on that team. Um, in the West, uh, Lakers still have the number one seed at thirty eight to twelve. You got the Clippers at the second seed, Denver and Utah third and fourth. Denver, Utah, and you know finally playing. A little bit better uh rockets are at fifth and oh, oh the thunder yeah thunder surprises some people 32 and 20 Man, i thought they would be good this year but not that good i thought they would win a total of you know 38 to 41 wins and you know they'd be a a competitive team but i did not expect them to be the eight seed i was expecting like eight or nine you know but uh chris paul has been he's done a really good job being that leader of that young team and you know, having them progress a little bit further. Uh, Mavericks are at the seventh seed. You know, they've kind of fallen off. They were, they were a little higher than that uh, early on. Memphis, so eight seed at twenty six and twenty six, and then, uh, then they're followed by the Blazers and the Spurs, uh, nine and ten, a couple games back. Uh, but yeah, the LA teams, number one and two. I, I thought LA would be you know a little bit lower than that. Uh, the Clippers. Uh, just because of like load management and stuff like that, uh, LeBron hasn't really taken much time off. They're trying to go for it, but the Clippers, they're they seem like they're the deeper team to me than the Lakers. I thought that Lakers should have made a trade a trade deadline move and you know acquired another guard, another scorer. There was talk about Derrick Rose, but he didn't really play well with LeBron in, in Cleveland. Uh, but I think this Derrick Rose is a little bit better than he was then. Or you know they were kind of looking at Spencer Dinwiddie, you know some other guys like that. Um, you know they're apparently still trying to sign Darren Collison, who's retired. Uh, so we'll see. But I think the Clippers are a deeper team, um, and they have a little bit more weapons than the Lakers do. But the Lakers, they have better chemistry, I think, than the Clippers. The Clippers still kind of have to sort some stuff out because um, Kawhi is not really he's he's taking some nights off, and Paul George is uh, in and out of the lineup, and you know. But I think when they're in the playoffs, you know, I think they'll be able to play a little bit better. But their role players you know they seem to play better when one of those guys is out but when both of them are in they don't seem to play as as much uh, cuz offense you know obviously is going to run through Paul George and Kawhi so but they have the highest ceiling i think in the west um, but i think Denver and, and Utah i think they're that next tier um, i think they could they can make some noise in the west for sure uh, but it should be should be Lakers and Clippers if nothing else happens in the, the western conference finals the East, as I said earlier, uh, the Bucks have the best record. They only have seven wins. They're on pace to uh, to be a, a seventy-win team. So, at which would they would join the the Warriors and the Bulls? Uh, so they're forty-four and seven right now. And then Toronto, shocking some people this year, uh, Siakam has taken that next step. They're thirty-eight and fourteen, which is this time last year. This is a better record than they had when they had Kawhi and won the championship. So they're on pace for a better record. But I think when they go to the playoffs they're going to have to consistently play these teams these better teams without someone like Kawhi. So we'll see, you know, if that if they're able to hold that up. But uh, third in the in the East is Boston at 36 and 15. Having a great year, but I I really expect Miami to climb up to that that second spot right now they're in the 4th seed at 34 and 17, but you know, with these acquisitions they just made, I think they're going to they're going to be a lot better defensively and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch them. Philadelphia is at the 5th seed, 32 and 21. They need to get it together. Um, I I don't see that happening. I think it's just kind of I think it's going to spiral. I know it's pretty early still, but I think it's going to spiral out of control, you know. They're going to make a move in the offseason, a big move. Uh, and the Indiana 31 and 21. Uh, Brooklyn 23 and 27. And then you got Orlando a 8 spot at 22 and 30. And then uh, Washington and Chicago kind of filling up those nine and ten spots uh, but yeah the east I think I think Miami and Milwaukee are, are number one and number two in my opinion of you know best chances to uh, go to the finals and then Boston is third they're a lot better with uh, with Kemba this year than they were with Kyrie um, they seem to be a lot closer and playing a lot better together uh, so we'll see but it, you know it's Kind of a down year, a little bit to me. Um, You know, some nights are pretty good, but some are just, you know, some of these marquee games where they're on TNT or ESPN. Some of them are just blowouts, man. And uh, but some of them are pretty exciting. Uh, So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, Been watching this new show on HBO, The Outsider. Uh, It's based off a Stephen King novel. Uh, You know, it's it's like a detective show, but then there's also like some paranormal stuff or. Kind of like sci-fi, I guess. Uh, but it's first episode is really creepy. Uh, Jason Bateman's also in it. He also directed it. Uh, but yeah, first episode gets you really pulled in. It's really really creepy, and then it's it's really dark, um, but it's it's really good. And it's on this in this novel that Stephen King wrote, it's about this uh, this murder happens, and uh, the person that they think it is you know they think as the killer he's confirmed to be at two places at once and so they're they're kind of confused but uh in the novel he ends up the person gets in prison time obviously because like hey we, we have evidence that you're here but there's evidence that he's also at the another place at the same exact time so um so these investigators are trying to investigate it and and figure out like what does this mean and stuff but the show was is really good, and it's not a miniseries either, which I'm surprised because HBO's been—they've been making these great shows, but they're all miniseries. I'm like, man, this is just gonna end after six weeks, and then I'm gonna need another show. Um, so this one is normal show, normal length show, uh, and the main actor is is uh, Ben Middleson. I Think I'm pronouncing that right? Uh, he was in Rogue One. He was in Dark Knight Rises. Uh, like he's like he's that actor. That they're like, oh, okay, he was in that thing, you know. But he's really good in this one, um, so it's uh, it's interesting for sure. I highly recommend it. And I saw I watched that movie Honey Boy last night. I know I've been I've talked about it a couple times on on this show um, about you know kind of the movies to watch for and stuff. Uh, this is the one that Shia LaBeouf wrote when he got arrested. Uh, filming that movie peanut butter falcon and this movie is on uh, based on his his youth and you know when he was a child celebrity and and his, his relationship with his dad and he actually he plays his his dad in this and then lucas hedges plays shia labeouf like in the early 2000s like when he's in his early 20s um, and yeah so he wrote this and he directed it and he, he plays his dad in it and man this movie is one of the saddest movies i thought manchester by the sea was the saddest movie I've seen. But this movie is just, like, way more sad because Manchester by the Sea, you're like, okay, like, this is this is a story that's just, you know, it's a sad story, and it's, you know, like, this is something that can happen. But Honey Boy was, like, it's like, your relationship, you know, if you have, like, abusive parents or whatever, like, it was just, like, on another level. It's, like, just sad, man. You just, like, felt for the kid. Like, he, you're watching Even Stevens stuff, and you have no idea this other stuff's going on, you know, like, that, like, In this movie, like, you don't even... You hear, like, the mom and stuff, like, on the phone, but you never see the mom. Like, so this was solely just about his his relationship with him and his dad, between him and his dad, and, like, how it affected him as an adult and how he had all these, like, substance abuse issues and he has this, you know, he's drinking a lot and he was in in and out of rehab and stuff. So it kind of explains, like, how this spiraled his career and life out of control for a while there. And then, you know... This filming this movie Peanut Butter Falcon and then having this life experience and then saying hey you know I need to I need to write about this or make a movie about this and there was some lines in there that were just like they they hit so hard like that movie was just like man it hits you when you watch this it hits you like a ton of bricks like it's it's a heavy heavy movie, uh, but they uh, it finally showed up on Amazon Prime yet starting yesterday so um, I would watch that for sure it's a really good movie. Um, there's some some new seasons of, of some, some shows that I like that are coming back. Uh, Better Call Saul, it's going to be back in February, I believe, or March. So it's coming out this this month or next month. Um, what else? Westworld is coming back in March. And then also, uh, Ozarks is getting the one with Jason Bateman on Netflix. That was coming out in March as well. Um, so we're getting a lot of... A lot of shows I've been really into, getting a lot of those back. And Better Call Saul, that the last season hasn't been put on Netflix because they, they want you to sign up for um, AMC's monthly uh, subscription thing that they have. So they're not releasing it on Netflix until, they re- until this new season comes out. So don't sign up for the AMC crap. It's going to come out on Netflix. I know it's been like three years and it hasn't come out, but they're just trying to time it. They're trying to extend it and not put it on there for a long time, so then people sign up for it, and I almost signed up for it, but I said, "No, fuck you, I'm not doing that." So I, I waited this long, so I'm gonna catch up, and I'm gonna, cause I haven't seen that that last season, so I'm gonna watch that season, and then I'm gonna watch the new the new season on AMC, cause I got it pre-recorded. Since when after they show the season, they don't they don't re-air it because they want you to subscribe, so you have to have DVR and record it and then keep it all there. Um, so yeah, I'm finding a way to, to, to beat it. Cause I don't want to have to have all these extra subscriptions and stuff all the damn time. Cause there's, it's crazy. They have all these different, all these different things on. So I have, I have Netflix and HBO and all this random crap, but you know, I never have time to watch all of it, but I try to make it anyway. So, um, yeah, so look out for those. Uh, the Oscars are on, on Sunday. Um, and I, I haven't watched, all the movies. I always try to watch as many Oscar nominations as I can, uh, but I, I haven't. I haven't watched that many. I just watched uh, Honey Boy, as I talked about, and then um, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Marriage Story was really good. Uh, the Irishman. So these are the ones that are nominated for Best Picture: The Irishman, Little Women, uh, Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. Parasite got really good reviews. I want to watch that one. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. I, I, I've i heard great things about that. And it got nominated for Best Picture. At first when I saw a trailer, I'm like, I don't want to see that. That just seems like – like, do people like Matt Damon? Like I I always feel like I like Matt Damon, like I should like my, Matt Damon. But then I see Matt Damon, and then I'm like, fuck Matt Damon, right? Like I don't know. It's just like – like, okay, it's just Matt Damon. Like I like Ben Affleck way better than Matt Damon. Uh, 1917, that was also nominated. Joker. Um, so yeah, The Irishman is great. That's the one I saw. Uh, it's on Netflix. I've been wanting to watch it again, but you know you do have to have three and a half hours for that. Uh, Marriage Story also on Netflix. that was a good one. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, that one was great too. And then, yeah, that's all I've seen. I haven't seen anything else. Uh, Joker surprisingly got nominated uh, for Best Picture. Been wanting to watch that. I didn't, I didn't want to pay for it just in case it was bad because those movies are always hit and miss for me. Uh, and then Best Actor, um, Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, uh, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. And then um, Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. I didn't watch that one. Uh, Antonio Banderas uh, for Pain and Glory. I didn't watch that one. Um, so there's a lot I didn't watch, I guess. Uh, best Supporting Actor, uh, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was really good in that one. I think he won that. Uh, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, Anthony Hopkins, two popes, Al Pacino, uh, The Irishman, and Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Best Actress, Charlize Theron, and Bombshells it was about you know, um, it was about sexual harassment and scandals and stuff in, in Fox News. Uh, Charlize Theron plays Megan Kelly. Renee Zellweger, nominated for. Uh, The movie Judy, played Judy Garland. And Cynthia Erivo was Harriet Tubman. Cerise Ronan in Little Women. Uh, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story. She was also great in that. And then uh, Best Supporting Actress, Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Scarlett Johansson, she got nominated twice, uh, in Jojo Rabbit. Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell, that, that movie about the Atlanta bomb suspect. Uh, for the the Atlanta Olympics, uh, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, and Florence Pugh in Little Women. Best Director, yeah, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Todd Phillips, Joker, uh, Bong, Jun Ho, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Parasite, and Sam Mendes in 1917, and Martin Scorsese in The Irishman. Uh, so some good nominations. Although I did think that Honey Boy should have been. Uh, nominated for Best Picture and maybe a, a Best Actor because uh, Lucas Hedges was great in it, or maybe he'd be Best Supporting and or or Shia LaBeouf too. He was really good in it. Uh, yeah, it was a well acted, well written, and well directed movie. So yeah, was surprising that it that one didn't get nominated for Best Picture. And then uh, I cut Gems didn't. I know Adam Sandler had some had some Oscar buzz there and so did the movie but there was no nomination there uh, that'll be coming out on Netflix in the summer I believe but uh, it's released on Netflix internationally I haven't seen it yet I really want to watch it um, I just heard it was really good so excuse me so I'll try to check that one out as well um, anyway that's my it's my episode uh, thanks for listening you know as always uh, you know share the podcast and uh, subscribe and all that stuff and you know I'll be back when I'll be back. Thanks for listening.